Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Wednesday Night Live, coming to you from the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas. It's a great privilege to be able to say hello to our Saints Network family around the world, and particularly um, to say hello to our congregation here in Dallas at the Father's Church. My name is Ron Crawford, and I'm very blessed to be the pastor of this great church, and um, I continually marvel at what God is doing among and through his saints. These are strange days. You don't need a prophetic understanding to, to recognize that. They are what they are. And as amazing as things might be in the natural, the spirit and the spirit realm is even much more active. There are things that are being released by God and permitted by God that uh, I believe are are uncommon. They, they are things that have been reserved for this hour by the mandate of the Heavenly Father's will, and subsequently they are, um, they are manifesting themselves in many different ways uh, outside of the natural world. And of course, we know that the things in the natural reflect what God's glory is doing. Nature proclaims the glory of God. What does that mean? You know, some naturalists would say, Oh, I think that I shall never see a thing as lovely as a tree. And, you know, we can, we can talk about those aspects, and certainly creation itself manifests the, the beauties and the wonders of, of God's ways. But perhaps there's something more to the meaning of that scripture I cited, where nature proclaims the glory of God. Look at it this way. God's glory is how God reveals something new and fresh that he is going to establish. And his glory will be entrusted to those who choose to partner with him, not just experience it, but partner with him as intercessors, as those who will serve in whatever way God would ask them to serve in, in regard to prophetic activations. And when um, God's glory is functioning, you're going to see manifestations of it in the natural. Nature will proclaim God is doing something amazing. And let's just face it, uh, we are all on this earth and we live in a natural body. We live in a natural environment. We live in the midst of other people and nations who are also a part of the fabric of that natural environment. So when we see things happening, it is, it is usually an indication of something that God is doing in his glory. Now, why do I say usually? Because there are things that we know um, happen, ways that some people act out, ways that ridiculous uh, uh, activities are forced upon a nation or whatever. And I think those are, those are issues that happen from time to time that in a way that the Bible says God winked at. I mean, you, you can't blame that on the glory of God. It's more usually on the idiocy of mankind and the carnality of human nature. That's more of a theological uh, discussion than what we're here to say today. But the point, though, is, is that God is doing incredible things, and um, we're seeing manifestations of it, rumblings of it in, in the earth, and amongst the the people of the earth, and certainly 
in uh, the, uh, um, the way that the enemy kingdom is mobilizing. Things are quickly moving toward what has prophet, been prophesied in the word for the last days. And we are closer to the end of all things than ever. Uh, well, I say the end of all things, the end of this current world. It really is the beginning of, of the rest of eternity. And um, I, I believe that we as saints, as intercessors, need to really recognize that if things seem strange, it's because they're strange. God does strange works, the Bible says. He works in mysterious ways. And it can be upsetting if you, if you don't remember who he is, who you are in him, what your responsibilities are as an intercessor and as a son. And um, I, I think that this is at the very beginning of this message, which we haven't gotten to yet, I would strongly exhort you to remain faithful in prayer. Listen, there is a concerted effort by the influences in the spiritual realm and even in the natural to 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 in to attempt to influence specifically those who pray in diversities of tongues from from doing that i know this not simply because i'm observing it but i i'm facing it myself and i i'll just i'm trying to be as candid as i can with you uh sometimes uh, preachers like to put on their robes figuratively and the congregation thinks, oh, the pastor never dealt with anything like this. Well, I know that at least once a day, the Spirit, and I'm, I'm ashamed to say this, will urge me by stating, you haven't really pressed through in prayer today. Regardless of what I have felt I've done or what I thought I was doing for the Lord, and then I... I with all sincerity say i'm so sorry father and will pray but i do know that there are there are uh, influences that try to weigh upon me to keep me from praying in the way that i should and so yeah i know things are different than when you all first came into the the uh, amazing uh, impartation of um, the the saintly walk and the the manifestation of diversities of tongues in your lives, but think about this: in which part of life and maturing, just even in the natural, uh, in which part of that do you ever get to go back to the very very beginning and have things the way they first were? I mean, I, I, I was thinking over events in my life recently when I was playing with my little grandson. Well, I don't know what he thought was happening. He's kind of, see, he goes from, I want to eat, I don't want to sleep, I want to eat, I don't want to sleep. That's kind of his pattern right now. And, um, but I was thinking, you know, how much life has changed I, I can remember just as a as a kid playing with little kids. I love to play with little kids. They're they're so much fun. But then when our own daughters were born, I would play with them, but I felt a tremendous sense of responsibility as I should have. And then throughout their growing older, I was still the same person, but I changed. You have to change. You mature, you grow, you develop. And then when grandchildren started coming, you, you have other responsibilities that you didn't have before. You're the same person. You'll never be able to go back to that time that was in your infancy. You shouldn't. Um, and we're in a really unique moment as saints and as sons 
where we've had lots of wonderful experiences in God. We have we have received impartations and points of uh, service to Him, where we've been given responsibilities and authorities, and um, and you know, with each of those, you you remain faithful to the essential identity that God has given you, but yet you're not the same person as you were before. And I, I feel this amazing shift uh, that is really being visited upon the world and upon our mission as saints. And, and I have to admit that it's uncomfortable. Every measure of change whether you get excited by change or you have trepidation regarding change, but every measure of change has its own weightiness. And we are, we are being changed from glory to glory, and his image is being perfected, and there's refining, there's, there are all kinds of things that you, that you experience when that happens. You... You have to remember what God has taught you, what God has promised. You have to remember that your your essence is in communication with him in prayer and in the word. You have to remember that, and you have to cherish that and guard over it. I don't want to say religiously, but vigorously. And um, you don't make knee-jerk reactions, but you're instant in season. You don't. You're not moved by what everybody else says. If if we were moved by any what everybody else said in the early days of God's transition, uh, back in uh, the late '90s, uh, we wouldn't be where we are now, at all. And so, yeah, it feels strange, but we're we're with the God who has strange ways. And um, we just have to stay close to him. But don't let the enemy come in. One of his attacks is, well, you know, things aren't the way they used to be. Well, thank God. (laughs) Thank God for that. That means you've grown. That means you've developed. That means you've gone into a heightened stage of partnership with him. The key is maintaining that sense of awe and reverence and devotion and um, maintaining that measure of expectancy, divine expectancy. Now, yeah, so many things that I felt just in, in my natural assessments over the years, those assessments actually manifested in different ways than I expected. And to some degree, and I, I know this is the, the same for all of us, but to some degree that can be frustrating. And, and it, really does, it really does indicate the true nature of the prophetic. And remember that the spirit of prophecy, according to the book of Revelation, is the testimony of Jesus, the Marturia. And prophets can foretell, but prophets serve. And the essence of their serving is to die to self on behalf of the message of, uh, that God is, is uh, causing you to carry. And um, so... Just because I thought in my assessments that we would be doing this or doing this or doing this, and it manifested in a different way, didn't mean that God failed me. It's just a testimony to how the spirit of prophecy moves. So we're going to be focusing on the book of Acts, chapter 2, today. There is no teaching sheet. Your teaching sheet is your Bible. So I'm going to encourage you to turn there or to access that passage. And um, I, I believe that the Lord wants us to 
at least continue for today on our discussion from this past Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, about what the resurrection really means. And um, you can listen to that message again. It's on our archives. But the, the premise of the message was that and I even met, I talked about it yesterday on Saints Radio, so if you want more of this teaching, you can access Saints Radio from yesterday as well. But the essence of it is that Jesus, when he said to Martha I at Lazarus' tomb, I am the resurrection, the anastasis, uh, he was saying that he had come to make possible what God had ordained from the foundation of the world. The stasis is that, that forever settled in heaven uh, plan and will of God. And to embrace that and to cherish that and to move forward in grace with that is what Jesus made possible. Now, there are uh, that is the noun version of the resurrection. Now, the active version comes from uh, anisteme, which is the verb form. Stasis is the noun of histeme, the verb. And so you have all kinds of instances in the New Testament where people are rising up into their histeme. You know, we, we quoted some of them. You can look these up in your own Bible study. You know, in Mark 1.35, for instance, when Jesus uh, saw that it was a great while before sunrise, he rose up, anisteme, and he stepped into what God's grace wanted him to fulfill in his histeme, where he was, what his mission was, and so forth. Um, we, we find that to have an anhisteme is simply to act upon something that is in your point of ministry, your appointed point of service through the power of God. And um, so you have to distinguish between those two words because some, so often, particularly the King James, uh, does not it, it it just does not distinguish between those two terms and so if you just uh, openly accept that every time it speaks about resurrection of rising again that it's all the same term you're going to miss what God really wanted so yes it was prophesied that Jesus would rise uh, on the third day. Uh, it was prophesied in uh, uh, more than one places in the New Testament. But that was uh, anisteme, that the Lord would step into that point of what he was supposed to be doing at that time through the power of God. And that's a wonderful thing. To me, to me, that is indicative of the power, the dunamis of the Anastasius. To me, that is the function, that we would function in the immediacy of what God's asking us to do in our histeme. And that makes, that in Jesus' ministry, made possible what he really came to earth to do, and that is to represent the Anastasia. I am the Anastasia, he said. And... Um, and then uh, that's, that's, he was making possible uh, our, our privilege, and that's uh, taking that term lightly, of ministering as sons of the Most High, being redeemed to God the Father, to serve him as intercessors at his throne, to intercede at the right hand of the Father where Jesus is established in, in a heavenly esteme to minister and move with the angelic. You know, these are all things that 
the Sadducees were famous for not believing in. They did not believe in the Anastasia. They did not believe that there was something beyond this life. And they, they wanted the blessing of being known as the people of God, but they sure didn't want to cooperate with it in any way. And so they didn't believe in the resurrection, and they didn't believe in angelic forces moving among mankind, partnering with them. The scripture plainly says that. The Pharisees believed in it, but just didn't do anything about it. So you had two sides of the same uh, resistance, all about the idea of the Anastasia. And so um, we come now to what our message for the day is, and that is in Acts 2. Now, we know that the Spirit of God came. I don't need to explain to you what Pentecost was. If you don't know that by now, access the archives and listen to 50 different messages from me and other people that talk about it. Read some of the books that we've spoken about it. But the point is that the Holy Spirit was poured out, the promise of the Father, and um, you, you had this great uh, tumult of, of people just wondering what they said, what, what means this? And so Peter starts off by talking about what Joel prophesied. And he said, this is an indication, I'm paraphrasing, of the Heavenly Father pouring out His promise. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, upon a people who should be the ecclesia, or His governmental representatives on this earth. And um, he talked about that in Acts 2. And he, um, he, he spoke about, from, from verse 14 of Acts 2, he spoke through um, verse 21 uh, about uh, the fact that people could become born again. And then he talks about what Jesus uh, had, to, had to face in his sacrifice. But uh, we're going to talk about two things here. The first is we're going to talk about what the scripture says in Acts 2.31. We're going to read it right now. He, seeing this before, spoke of the resurrection of Christ, the anastasis, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. Now, the essence of Peter's sermon in the book of Acts, see, we as Pentecostals, we usually stop after Peter says the, the Joel 2 quote. And we, we talk about how Peter then says, this, is gonna, this gift is going to lead you through to the great day of the Lord. And you're going to see wonders in heaven, signs of earth uh, beneath, blood, fire, vapor of smoke. You, you, Peter talks about that. And we love to we love to speak on on Peter's explanation drawing from Joel two, but that was not the essence of what Peter preached on this sermon. He then quotes freely from Psalm sixteen and Psalm one ten from David's words, where David prophesied, according to Peter about the resurrection, the Anastasia, of Christ. In fact, we just read it, Acts 2.31. So Peter is saying that what the Father poured out is a result of what, um, what Jesus' mission was, bringing us into that Anastasia. That is the resurrection. And really, as we've said multiple times over these past few days, when you look at, at what the, the Anastasia is described as, as doing and how it functions, 
It really is the walk of the saints. So, um, there are three times, though, in this discussion, particularly about David, that Peter also mentions the anastemi. And those are three significant times. You want a three-point sermon? Here it is. Verse 24 of Acts 2. You've got it all right there. You don't have to flip or turn. It's just right there if you've opened your Bible. God raised him up, loosing the pains of death. It was not possible, it is not possible, that he should be holden of it. So the first anastemi was that whatever death tried to do, uh, Jesus was not going to be held back, back by that. He was going to fulfill his mission, his histeme mission. And the pains of death wasn't just, even though it was incredibly painful, the death on the cross. The pains of death also extended into paradise. The pains of death with all of the things that were in place for those who died in the Old Covenant, those were restrictions. Those were, they were a one-way um, one destination. And because Jesus was fulfilling the will of the Father and he was sinless, and it was a, the sinlessness uh, of his sacrifice broke all of the all of the regulations that had been set in place broke the curse broke everything and um he was able to anesteme from that so that's the first thing peter says the second is found in acts 2:30 therefore being a prophet speaking of david knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. Jesus accepted the fulfillment of the Davidic kingly line. Now that's significant for a number of ways. We, we don't really want to spend the time on it today because that's not the essence of this message. But he rose into that, the histeme into that. And um, that meant many things. For me, it, it really meant that Jesus could authorize the Gentile church to be the tabernacle of David, which is what the scripture tells us. And perhaps that would not have been able to be had Jesus not risen into that ascension role of the throne of David. David himself prophesied that it would be, and then um, Jesus accepted that. So there was an empowerment, there was, there was uh, an, an empowerment of, of great... Uh, magnitude by this second anhisteme. Now the third one is in verse 32. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. And here's this third anhisteme. Therefore being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this which you now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he said himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool. Now, this third anastemate was Jesus taking his place at the right hand of God and we read from the book of Revelation as John wonderfully, through the anointing of the Spirit, the inspiration of the Spirit, told us about what happened when Jesus went into heaven as the slain lamb and he took 
the, the little book from the hand of the Father and went and was established at the right hand, which is the place of faith, which is the place of the sons. This anahisteme um, spoke about him really taking that histeme of the heavens. And so you have three histemes, three anahistemes here in Peter's message. And they all make the way for the, the vitalization of the Anastasia of God, the resurrection. The first is there's, there's nothing on earth that can, um, that, that can overcome what God wants to do. And, of course, we've studied about how the cross of Christ itself, that term in the Bible, was formed by a stake of ownership and histeme. So when we're sent forth by the Father and we take up our cross and we obediently go, we have that stake of ownership and we, we, we say, my Lord has paid the price for this histeme. So that whole, that whole business about death and not being, it was impossible for it to hold him, that is an histeme victory. The second taking really the mantle of what Judaism was through the throne of David and really taking what Jerusalem was but to be, who David, who established that city, and uh, taking that measure of the tabernacle of David, which is the Gentile church, those things and more Jesus and his themate into. And the third, of course, is he went to the home base of the Anastasia, heaven, to the throne of God, and he stepped into that measure of function at the right hand. There, at that point, according to what the Bible says, he gained, received of the Father, we just read it, verse 33, the promise of the Holy Ghost, and has shed forth this, which you now see and hear. But those three part verb expressions of stepping in grace into an histeme, every one of them was a triumph over death and restriction. In the natural, in the hierarchy of David's rule and all the promises in the scripture that, uh, that God made to David. And thirdly, um, that we would be redeemed to God through the curse of Adam. We had largely been restricted. And there were very few that were really able to partner with God. Now, everyone who believes can, if they're willing to, and I, I just think this is a, a marvelous thing to see about Peter's message on the day of Pentecost. You know, he, um, and I, I say as somebody that was born and raised in a, in a Pentecostal church, we, we honor the scripture, we read the scripture, we know this is here, but basically... We come to a screeching halt usually once we see, hey, this thing about speaking in tongues, this was prophesied by Joel. Here it is. What are you going to do about it? When really Peter had to address that manifestation and that vibrant outpouring, but then he quickly, he addressed it in Joel too, but then he quickly came to these three anastemes and the essence, then, of um, our Lord fulfilling the resurrection and accomplishing what the Father had sent him to empower. I think that is, is magnificent. And, and I think that we, we need to really meditate on this and study it for ourselves 
see, again, I go back to Pneumatikos 101. We're telling you, to the best of our ability, what, what I'm sensing that the Father, the Holy Spirit guiding us into all truth, all truth is saying. And uh, I, I am not bringing something that I plagiarized from somebody else. I'm not diminishing that work. In fact, the whole issue of plagiarism is that you admire what somebody else did and you think it would be easier to just take what they've said or written and use it for yourself and hope nobody finds out about it. Um, but the point is that we have a distinct mission and we have to be sensitive to what the Spirit is revealing in His Word and you have to know that, in all sincerity, what we put forth here is not somebody else's speech. The Apostle Paul spoke about that. And, and I, just in paraphrasing, he said, I, you know, I'm not going to get involved in somebody else's revelation. I'm bringing to you what is being revealed by the Spirit to the study of the law and what grace is saying. I'm grateful Paul did that, aren't you? So when we bring these words and we show you, I think it's very clear, the definition of, of these terms, it's a very simple thing for you to go and see where the Holy Spirit used each of these words. Remembering the significance of the definition, and let that be your study. It, it revolutionizes our appreciation of the Scripture. It's new every morning. And in all the years that I have been in church, heard sermons in ministry for, for decades now, I had never considered what I brought before you today. And I think it's significant. Peter explains the outpouring uh, or the manifestation of it through Joel. And then he lights into David. Psalm 16, Psalm 110. And he really masterfully speaks about how Jesus is the resurrection. And the three-point um, framework, the, the verb histeme, and moving in grace regarding it, the overcomings that Jesus accomplished through the power of God that then made it possible for us to be in God's eternal plan right now. That's an incredible thing to me. And, and I'm very grateful for it. But, and you know what? There are lots of other glorious insights of the Scripture that are to be found just by tracing the use of anastemi and anastasia and, and to see how the Spirit uses them. And if you, if you get... The, the concept of those meanings and you keep it alive in you because it's not going to change. Now, commentators, I was looking, they're not saying this and I'm not faulting them. I'm not, I'm not disparaging them. But just because old Uncle Joe's commentary that you've looked at forever doesn't say this doesn't mean it's not true. I mean, everybody has to work out their own salvation, and Uncle Joe served God faithfully uh, for well, whatever time he had. And it could be Aunt Josephine, for all that matter, just in the interests of gender equity. But um, the point, though, is, is that these definitions are hard and fast. They're at the heart of what we believe. They're at the heart of what Jesus says. I mean, I've looked back over Jesus' discussion with... Um, 
Martha and with Mary at Lazarus' tomb several times. And it's, it's like a feast, understanding what God said there. It explains a, I'll just be honest, a very perplexing passage of Scripture. You know, the, the best we might have been able to do was for Jesus to have engaged in what he did when Lazarus was dying. He waited. Then he went four days after he was in the, in the tomb or dead. Um, then Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. The best we could do is that he was foretelling what was going to happen to him, and he was going to remind his disciples, look, I'm going to be in there three days. I waited till this guy was four days dead so that you could see that I certainly, the power of God certainly can raise me. So just remember this, that when I die, uh, I, I, I am going to rise again. That's the best we, we've done. But when you interject, I am the resurrection, and you interject the discussion, the very clear discussion that, that separated anastheme from anastasis, you, you see that the whole conversation is speaking about something beyond. What, really what Jesus was saying is, look, all things are possible here on earth. But I've not come just to work miracles so that everybody can be convinced there's a God or that, you know, you will then follow me because I, I can do these things through the power of God. Um, Jesus didn't come for those things. Yes, those were part of his ministry. But his objective was the anastasis, to set in place the promise of God throughout the old covenant and the promise of God for what God wants for eternity. And sadly, most, most Christians stop at the cross and Rightfully, they give thanks for the sacrifice of Christ, and they hopefully accept the, in belief, what Jesus did so that they can become born again. Or you take the next step. You come here to the book of Acts, chapter 2. And you see the outpouring of the Spirit. And you say, oh, look at those people over there. They just hang around the cross when there's a second work of grace. Here's the outpouring of the Spirit. Well, what about the rest, dare I say, the essence of Peter's sermon here? And the, the crux of why Jesus came. Really, why he came. Would you think that what Peter was saying here, now we know that the, the, those that were the remnant that were still remaining in, the upper, in that upper room who were offering, according to what the Scripture said, supplication, supplication waiting on the promise of the Father. Do you think that that, was a revelatory um, impulse for Peter at this moment? And do you also think that what Peter was saying here in this full sermon was what Jesus was sharing with his disciples from the time that he rose from the dead to the time that he ascended? Where Jesus, you know, we talked, we talked on Sunday uh, about what Peter wrote in First Peter, chapter one, 
where he talks about the lively hope. Uh, verse verse 3, of made possible by that anastasis of Jesus Christ from the dead. And Peter talks about heaven. He talks about how that we have an inheritance there. We have an, an aterio um, outpost there. Peter, this is the same man. And I dare say that between them knowing this and Peter having not only the intercession, but also the instruction, both amongst the disciples and undoubtedly privately with Jesus, this is what he was saying, a culmination of what the Lord had imparted to those guys. And I, I'm, I just think it's, I think it's marvelous. And then, of course, you see that the people, when Peter finishes his sermon, the people who had just seen all this stuff, they were, verse 37, they were pricked in their heart and said, what shall we do? And there were 3,000 that accepted the sacrifice of Jesus. And um, they, they repented and that says they were baptized. I don't know where they went to get baptized. I don't know if they all made a, a trek to the Jordan or whether they went down to the pool of Bethesda. Uh, you know, you don't have to go to the Jordan to be baptized. You can be baptized anywhere. I mean, you know, <laughs> Philip, the Ethiopian eunuch out in the midst of the wilderness. Um, that must have been a sight to see. But then we find in Acts 4, we talked about this on Sunday, but if you, if you study these words, which would be a good thing for you to do, you, you find that um, in, in Acts 4, with great power, Megas Dunamis gave the apostles witness of the Anastasia of the Lord Jesus. And great grace, Megas Keris, was upon them all. They were talking about this. They were talking about the Anastasias. What God made possible the access to the throne of God, the privilege of being the ecclesia, the sons, this outpouring of the Holy Ghost, the saintly wind, to partner with God to restore what he originally intended, the hagios, to partner with the angels who continually speak and, uh, and identify, oh, holy, 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 holy. We, we are going to fulfill this, what God says, how he does it, and how it's fulfilled. This is what they were preaching. Of course, endemic to that is that Jesus died. He ministered, he taught, he died a cruel and unjust death. He triumphed over it. He, he rose again. He ascended to heaven. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit came. And now you've got an ecclesia that's supposed to be functioning in the Anastasia. That's what they were preaching, and that's what grace, great grace was coming. And, and I think that maybe the Lord, I don't want to say maybe, I think that God is about to enhance the, the dunamis of the resurrection, which to me, again, I, I can't, I just extrapolate. I put dunamis and anastemi together <laughs> um, because anastemi is you're, you're rising into the place God has called you to minister, to see through the power of the cross and, and the obedience of grace, to see God's kingdom come, to welcome that function, that dunamis of the power of God. Um, I think the power of the resurrection is 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 really acting upon what God has established, receiving his directives from heaven to earth, moving in the power of the cross in, in, in obedience to the directives of the Spirit, 
and seeing that dunamis, that victory of grace, happen. Which is, to me, why Acts 4, <clears throat> megas grace and megas dunamis was there, because you, you have the function of what God wants, and you have the spread of grace where people, the megas of them, were accepting it and were then extrapolating out to do it. Maybe, maybe we're seeing this. Think about the things that God has been sharing with us over the past few weeks. There are a number of really uh, impressed-upon messages that came. This emphasis, the, the issue of Jesus weeping over the, um, the city of Jerusalem, and really, in two weeks, we had the, the outward weeping over Jerusalem to the, uh, the tear that Jesus shed at Lazarus' tomb, the two types of weeping. Actually, there were three. Remember, we talked about uh, Hebrews where Jesus in his personal intercession for the order of Melchizedek, but re-listen to that message. We also talked about how you turn that, that well of in that, that place of weeping into a point of triumph for the eyes of God. We talked about the 70 being associated with that. Uh, we also talked about when Joseph was finding the fulfillment of what God had intended for him when his brothers came down to Egypt. And um, Joseph, out of all of the things that, that he cherished, was that cup of that silver cup of commune with God, which meant, I have authority here in. I have authority here in Egypt, but my greatest and most cherished authority is through my commune with Elohim. So what does that say? We, we've got the fulfillment of many of the promises God is going to give, uh, the Joseph story, but we've got to hold fast to that commune with God and not act in natural vengeance or retribution or any other kind of work of the flesh when God really causes us to minister uh, the fulfillment of what he's promised. We, we have to continue to remember that we are establishing through the directive of God outposts around the world. You, you've got to have, just as Jesus did, just as Moses did, um, uh, a core of, of people in the center, and then the 70, which would be as Issachar people who are functioning on behalf of the eyes and ways of God. You've got that going. And now you've got this wonderful study of the Word about what the resurrection really is and how that the, the rising ups, the anastemes, of the Spirit of God and the dunamis of God should be part of us all the time. You know, even that first verse we talked about where anastemi, we referenced Mark 1.35. Jesus got up a great while before sunrise, but he anastemied into that place of intercession with his Father. Do you say, well, how can that be a manifestation of the power of God? That just seems like discipline. Well, look, what did we talk about at the very beginning of this broadcast? The enemy is trying to make a concerted effort to stop you from praying. And the one thing we've got to remember is our devotion to the mission the Father has given us. And devotion to mission is the agape, is the greatest of all, right? Right? Faith, hope, they're great. But the greatest is our commitment to breathe hard after what the Father has given us to do according to his will. And you may have to rely on that to break through your own proclivity to, to just be lazy or to be weighted down by the pressures of the world or life or even the circumstances that surround you, you may need to access the power of the of the of the histeme, the anastemi, the rise up, 
to break through into that place of prayer. See, these things are all through the scripture. This study is there for us. And I'm going to be studying it. And I encourage you to. So I say, well, Pastor, why don't you just do a series on this? <laughs> Have you been paying attention at all? First of all, I don't know what God's going to bring in the next few days. And I can't say, oh, no, just hold on, Spirit. You know, I've got a eight-part series here that I've got to bring because, you know, the people have to understand this. Well, you, strong meat belongs to those who are of a, of a mature age. It belongs to you. Study it. You've got the framework. You've got the definitions. You realize this is something the Father's impressing. And you know what? You will remember things that you study with a purpose. If I tell them to you, you might be blessed for a moment. You might not. But when you study them, the Spirit hides them in your heart. And He will call things to remembrance and he will cause the vitality and the strength of that meat to, um, to fill you and to empower you. So study this. I'm not saying we won't revisit it, but um, I think that Sunday, yesterday, Saints Radio, and today should bring a pretty good base of understanding for you as pneumaticos saints to, to, to look into this yourself. And that's the way it's been, and I'm, I know I'm going to end here, that's the way it's been over the years. I mean, I remember writing specific books, you know, no passion in them at all, but just writing to try to set the framework of what we believe in Scripture and set that out and then somebody a year later would say well you know i revisited this and but i found this over here in the scripture you know i don't know why pastor didn't write about this well i mean the whole premise is that if we show you by the directive of the spirit and through the word this is what this is then it's up to you to search and hold fast to what the Spirit has defined these terms to mean, but let the Spirit of God take you on a romantic journey through this book of promises. It's, it's for you to search them out. And I, I just love that. You know, sometimes over the, over the years we'd have people, and it would just kind of stun me. I remember... Um, Somebody once, after we had been teaching on the fivefold mind of Christ through the Scripture for for several years, we had uh, we had a lot of visitors that were coming to one of our seminars. So we set up for some of the leaders of the network to go back and teach uh, elemental concepts. And I remember one of our Saints Network pastors taught on the fivefold, and at the end of that, a seasoned minister in the network went up to her and said, wow, that was great. Where did you get that? And she said, well, out of the book that, that was written. And uh, it's just still humorous to me because I think, Lord, that's the way you do things. She wasn't teaching anything that was divergent from what God had already shown. But nuances of that truth were made alive, and it was ministering in, in, a, in, a, in a glorious new way. So, study. And I, Heavenly Father, I thank you, first of all, for your sacrifice in sending your Son to empower your eternal plan. Help us to learn more of this and in your word and help us to, to move forward in that power 
that Jesus made possible and that you've ordained. I bless these dear folks, these saints. I ask you that you would illuminate this in your word for them and may they grow thereby. And I ask, Father, that if there are special needs in their life, and everybody has them, but if there are some today who are battling a physical illness, in Jesus' name we release healing into your life right now. May you be well and whole. If there are those that have been struggling emotionally, or maybe you have been battling for your very existence as a son and as a saint, may the spirit of exhortation come to you right now and may you be revitalized in your love for the Lord. Whatever your people need, Father, we release it to them now. And we thank you for this. We thank you for this means of communication and we pray that you would continue to guide us in further ways of using it. And we thank you for all of these things, but most of all, for your triumph, precious Jesus. We ask them all in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining today. I hope this has been a blessing to you. And um, may God guide you as you study this further. And may he mightily use you in that intercessory commune that is so precious to his heart and to ours. Till next time, God bless and goodbye.